Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful, very grateful to be assembled together. It's a blessing. You can enjoy those that are assembled with us on, at a distance. We'd ask that you bless them as well. Keep our eyes to the text in your son's name. Amen. Um, as you know, there's been a disease pretending to go around the country. And uh, it has been the topic of every single conversation. <clears throat> it's almost like it's going to keep you quarantined and you're going to, every time you get to be with somebody else, that's all you're going to talk about, one way or another. And uh, it has been so in my life. I know I, you have to drag people with horses away from the topic. And Christians, uh, like other people, you know, people who are in business, who find their businesses going south, people are realizing this is not something that should be going on for various reasons, hurting other people's businesses, money, even their health kept, kept away from people, uh, family relationships. Um, but the church, especially when they forbade church services, now we streamed it for six weeks from my living room. I'm grateful to them for getting us the energy in a small church without any budget or, or committee to get things actually up online. We thank God for that. But when the, you, you got down to the end of it and you, you were going, the assembly, the, the ecclesia, what that is the word we can get ecclesiastical from, it means the assembly. We have the word church to take that place, but that's what it is. It's an assembly. Didn't happen. You felt the, you felt the absence. You know, when you were doing the streaming, we'd have the IT crew and the people from our house in the living room. And people would log on and chat space, and you, you'd greet them from afar. Oh, hi, so-and-so. And they got to see you. We didn't get to see them. They're kind of a vague um, witchcraft sort of assembly. We're grateful for it. But it's not quite enough. And you, I don't know if you felt that. And it's not because there's a command. There is the one thing in the scriptures that says, not forsaking the assembly together, as is the habit of some. That's the only verse about the need to go to church. We're not needing to be together because God told us we had to be together. We had to be together because we have something that is unique in the world, a kind of attachment. I have the passage out of 1 John here at the top of the left-hand side. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. You can read all through 1 John, and you'll find that coming back to the commandment which we had from the beginning, that we love our brother. That's a, a new phenomenon. People love their families, people love their fellow countrymen, people 
can love all men everywhere in an agape sort of love, but the presence of the ecclesia, the presence of the brotherhood, is in a special grant of love. So as I was thinking about it and being in countless conversations about the disease, um, and I don't know what your opinion about it is, I don't even care what your opinion is about free will and determinism, but you know, you have one, maybe, end times, I don't get it. What your view is about the disease? I've been in a lot of conversations, but I just wanted to let you know that my, my own thoughts went a certain direction as I figured out why uh, we were putting up with this sort of nonsense in Idaho, of all places. How many cases did we end up with in Lataw? Five cases, none of them hospitalized, canceled our church for six weeks. Well, I need to talk to somebody. Talk to my lawyer first, then I need to talk to somebody. So it doesn't really matter. What if it was really a disease and half the population of the town was dead today? And we were grateful to be back in the assembly of the church when they finally lifted the quarantine. What if it was that bad? You have these questions that arise with the presence of this need to assemble. Let me ask you. Some of you are married. What if they said, you cannot talk to your wife or husband, let alone be with them in a biblical way, until we tell you you can? Well, really? What's, what's this, you say? We have a relationship, right? We have a union that is hard to explain. And the state, if they came in, violating that, well, you know, they, they think it's important enough that you could pass the disease to your spouse. Well, we're the church. We have the assembly. We have love for one another that is, is felt when it can't be reached. You know, when you've been separated from somebody. The, some of the people on the chat we have not seen in a, quite a while, let alone quarantined. We're sort of permanently quarantined from them. There's a separation. And we feel it, not because somebody has done us wrong. Distance is not a wrong being done to us. People in Annapolis, the Moros, or, or the, uh, the uh, Berries in, in Boone. There's no wrong being done by the distance. People decided to have a, get a, they got a job somewhere else. Frank works at Appalachian State, and, and Chuck works at the Naval Academy. But they love the saints here. So we have a quarantine that's, what's it touching on? What's it, what's it uh, when somebody does it too intentionally because it's stop a disease, someone does it accidentally to follow a job? And as I've been through this uh, concern, about them telling us, you know, we, when you have a building, I, we don't have any budget, and we, God has wonderfully provided this building, and we're paying it off, God willing, and we have our little steeple, and you miss it. You kind of miss the building. And we came down here yesterday to try to work out the, the electronics, 
you, you miss things about it, but as we point at this thing seriously, not just, oh, I miss the pointy windows, or I miss the comfort of the pews, um, what's really there? We've got questions of law versus ordinance, right? Not just, not just whether or not God has said, you better go to church. And the, and, the, and the mayor of Moscow going, I don't think you should go to church. And God saying, um, I think you should go to church. And you got this question, right? And then the, the Constitution of the United States steps in and goes, I agree with God. And the mayor of Moscow goes, I'm still not letting you go to church. And I could put you in jail. So we have that question. We have those discussions. I hope they went well for you. But there's other reasons, you know, pressures. It's not just, did God tell you to go to church? We only got that one verse, right? Don't forsake the assembling together. I don't think any of you forsook it. I hope none of you forsook it. Wasn't that when you were young? I, well, this is true of me. And you, had, you woke up, you had a sore throat. Just a slight one. <coughs> Go down to the kitchen and tell your mom, Mom, I have a little bit of a sore throat. And she says, but it's Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I just have a little sore throat. I should probably stay home, watch TV. That's what we do. None of us really like when the city comes in and goes, you don't get to go to church. Oh, really? Really? You mean I have to sleep in, then watch cartoons, eat Lucky Charms, and, and then I, if I see any friends from church later on in the day, oh, really, I really, really miss you. I sure miss getting together for fellowship. Uh, you people are despised. There are people who, who feel this Jones about the argument, about the political science of the matter. There are people who are, that was a, kind of a relief, one of the rules of Christianity, you go to church and I... I don't have to go. I really just don't have to go. I can stay home. I mean, the, the cops would arrest me. It's plausible deniability right there. But then there are those of you who've got church up your butt in a way that it shouldn't be. Is that allowed to be said? I don't know. One of the reasons we don't have any liturgy here is because it's really effective. Okay? I think many dear believers like liturgy. But the problem with one of the problems with liturgy or the problems with kind of a pious surrounding is people believe it's what's doing the juju to you. You need to walk through those doors, genuflect in the center aisle, cross yourself, say the you know, Apostles' Creed chant back the responsive reading. Call, I don't care what the, 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 the liturgy is. There are some people for whom the magic of church is why they're incensed by this ban of church. I hope you're not those people either. I hope you're not the ones who are really pleased about those lucky charms and, and extra bedtime. I hope you're not the ones who really think the juju is done by the sacraments or the actions that you take at church. 
Other people, I don't know what kind of people these are, I don't know how to describe them, understand in probably bigger churches than ours. And this is true for any retail business. Budgets. You know how many weeks we didn't pass the plate at church. And it's almost like people don't feel I should give money to the church because I didn't get the service the church was supposed to provide. That's why people are going to sue uh, colleges, right? They didn't get the service they contracted to get. So people are concerned about making budget. How are we going to pay for that new parking lot? How are we going to pay for the paint job on the church? There is also the possibility, this is what we're addressing. I had to say, I haven't even gotten to the passage, Evan. Well, it's a short passage. Look how big the type is. Okay? That's like, what, 16 point? You're getting out here early. Now, it addresses the last thing. I just finished uh, reading my father's autobiography, uh, Grace Upon Grace. If you get a chance, read it. Not because it's, you know, amazing or anything. It's the Lord was really gracious to my father. One of the things he was really gracious to my father in, and I know this from the names that have chased me down the years, John Newble, um, Dick and Arlene Francisco, Alex Aronis, Gordon Fraser. So the names that the, the Graham and Libby Gucci, and people you don't know. I was over at my dad's getting them up last week or so. Phone rang, so I answered it. It was John Newble. John Newble was the top of his class at the Naval Academy. Went on to be a Rhodes Scholar, and then a Vice Presidents at Exxon, um, just an amazing mind, solid Christian guy that my dad administered to, you know, in the 60s, calling my dad, wondering why he hadn't gotten his copy of the autobiography yet, especially since he wrote the byline on the back. Now, my father's not a social person, but there are dear believers in his life that have been dear believers. And what I was thinking about is when I was thinking about the ban on the, on the services, it's not that, gee, I got, a, I got, I got to preach, right? I got to you know, go, become a TV star. Why are we getting together down here in our building? It would be a lot cheaper if we didn't buy a building and just got together occasionally and for like potluck. Philippians 1. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Okay? Stress that, pulled it out. This is not just a letter between apostle and the heads of the church. Please pass this on if you want to, to your congregation. This is a letter to the congregation, to all the saints in Christ Jesus along with your leaders. 
Grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone loves Philippians. They love Philippians so much that I was looking for a passage to preach on this morning. I didn't want to fail because Allison asked me last night, uh, I heard rumor that you just prepare your sermon on the day of. I said, well, yes, I do. I didn't want to, after having said that, I didn't want to show up here with just an awful pile of, you know, jumbled thoughts. So I was looking for a passage. What's going to impress Allison? But I looked at my records of Philippians. You know what? Philippians is such a good book. It's such a good book that you believe you preached out of it recently. Is that good? How could I not have preached out of Philippians recently? It's been years. I think the most recent was like four or five years ago. And Philippians, for heaven's sake, Evan, what are you even doing? Well, the Colossians, okay, Galatians, everything but Philippians. It's such a good, such a positive book. You know the church in Philippi was dear to St. Paul. The story of his time in Philippi, you're familiar with the Paul and Silas uh, casting out that uh, meeting with Lydia, the seller of purple, and from um, Thyatira, and then she casting out a demon out of this girl, and they get beaten by the magistrates, thrown into jail, earthquake, They're all set free. They lead the jailer to the Lord. Then the authorities, it was been on my mind a little bit because the authorities had to apologize very aggressively, having found out after having beaten them that they were Roman citizens. And without trial, they were beaten. Kind of like violating constitutional rights. Paul reminded them of it, said, you're going to come here and escort us out of town. And they did. But that was all there was. So you had the jailer, whatever his name was, his family. Lydia, she might have been a traveling saleswoman because she was not from there. And this church develops around this group, and they are really close to Paul. I thank my God, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Sometimes we were reminded, we're like, we're little, like little Johnny. It's a birthday present from grandma. And grandma, let's just say, doesn't understand Gifts, socks feature rather largely in their repertoire. You're standing there with your athletic socks. And your mother says, because she's, she's the police. Say, Thank you to your grandma. Thank you, grandma. And your grandma goes and cashes that check. She, she's, okay, this is all I'm getting. But he did utter the words, thank you. We sometimes don't realize how you say thank you matters 
to justify your thanksgiving. Because you know when somebody's really thankful, right? You know when somebody was given something that they really wanted, not the socks. They didn't expect. When, when the thing really matters to you. So that always in every prayer, with joy, he wraps this around his comment about thanksgiving. I thank my God always, every, with joy, thankful for your partnership. So he tells you what the thanksgiving specifically is. Always, every, with joy. It mattered. It mattered. Some businesses try to make their minimum wage clerks say thank you. Thank you. Or they yell something to the back of McDonald's. Two Big Macs. Thank you. And everybody's faking the thank you. But they know it has to be uttered a lot. That doesn't make up to be always in every with joy. Do you have anybody like that in your life? That's what I'm asking you this morning. It's not because you're in this room that we're presuming that you have it with one another. You may have it with some of the other people here. I don't think it is necessary that you have it for all believers. We notice that Paul doesn't speak this way to the Corinthians. Okay? Tougher church. Bigger problems. There are some people in your life that the Christian life with them is wonderful. You want to be with them. You miss it when they're not. You sometimes have to be apart, either quarantined or moving. Now, this partnership here, and I, and I, I don't want to seem tawdry because we, as you know, we've 30 years of church, I think it's been 30 years, 30 years of church, and, and we don't pass the plate. We know that. And we occasionally remind you that there is a, a, a box at the back when times get tight. But Thankful for your partnership, verse 5, in the gospel from the first day until now. This is probably talking about a financial gift that the Philippians were giving Paul. Why do I say that? I'm looking at Philippians 4, uh, verse, four, I'll start with verse 14. Yet it was kind for you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent help once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit, which increases to your credit. Now, it's obvious there the partnership is one of, of uh, giving financially to his ministry. Now, that said, I don't want you to get sidetracked by that. I especially don't, I've been in Christian circles long enough, and I've seen enough fundraising letters to use because of this passage, the word partnership. We covet your partnership in our work for the gospel, which means please give us money. 
because it's a, it's a great word. What's a partnership, really? How come you're never writing me a check in this partnership? How come, you know, the, the pastor is not, you know, sending out little checks every week? Everybody in? Well, good thing we're in this partnership together. I'll write you a check. Here's 20 bucks. What kind of weird church would that be? Oh, it'd be right, packed. Everybody would come. But the thing is, not that it was financial. From the first day, from the earliest part, it says there at the end of, of, of chapter 4 in Philippians, that even at Thessalonica, at the beginning of the gospel, because Philippi, this is where I need to have, where my IT priests need to have a projector for the Middle East and, and the Mediterranean, right up at the top of the Aegean, if you can picture Greece here, this is the Peloponnese, here's uh, Asia Minor. The Aegean goes across the top, Macedonia is right at the top, Philippi is right at the top, Thessalonica is right next to it. And Paul goes from Philippi to Thessalonica. So within moments, basically, the people he had led to Christ at the beginning of the gospel had sent a gift to him from the very first because of the nature of their unity. And he, and he makes the distinction, he said, nobody else did. Nobody else did. From the, in the gospel, from the first day until now. That's why he says, from the first day until now. There was some kind of relationship, and you may have someone like that in your life, not here in this room, that you came to Christ with, or you were around when they came into the faith. And your first relationship with them is because of the gospel. Now, I have people I've gotten to know over the years that... My first conversation was about art, not the gospel. Other people are in your life because of the gospel, and you're tracking with it. People who remember the way back. You know, Patty and Charlie Baker. Patty Baker was Leslie's roommate before she was married. Cecilia's dad went to a Bible study with my father, when we first got to town. Uh, some people, uh, uh, James was on the, the, were you on the pig boat or the nuke boat with Doug? The nuke. Uh, with my brother Doug out of Norfolk. People have parts of their lives. Paul went through Philippi and he did not go through Philippi again for years. And these people were this dear. Are you guarding? Are you watching? Are you enjoying? Are you thanking God always in every prayer with joy that you have those kind of Christians in your life? It's not a, it's not a guilt for the ones you don't feel it for, but it's a recognition that if you don't feel it for any, what's going on? Are there just not any solid Christians that you would find yourself rejoined with in that way? Is it something in you that, in other words, you don't lead with Christ in your life? And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is not digging deeper into their wallets. He sees what they do with their wallets. Well, he says this at the end of the book. He says, I, that's where that passage on contentment 
and, and is in Philippians is right before his comment on their gift. He doesn't have a problem with not getting something. He's not trying to bring to completion that. Something else. The nature of your unity with the, a certain group of other people ought to really be rejoiced in, if you want to think of that. You start to feel not just about the assembly at large, this body or the other, another body you go to, but who you have built this with. It is right, verse 7, it is right for me to feel thus about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, this is sort of explanatory, okay? It is right for me to feel this way. You're in my heart. You're down at the, the, the you might say, right in, in, in the midst of you. The kind of relationship is not just, yeah, I know you're a Christian. For you are all partakers with me of grace. I want to make a distinction there. I don't want to say that this is what Paul was saying, but I, I want you to think about something. There's a broad array of Christianity. I have a very dim view of humanity. I, I, I don't think they seek God. I think some do, and those that seek, find. But inside of what we call Christendom, evangelical or otherwise, I don't think there's an awful lot of Christians. That's a good place to find Christians because the gospel has been preserved in that world. But when you're in those situations and the person has said the Apostles' Creed clearly and you ask them, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. And they have no... Uh, Zero interest in talking to you about their life with Christ. They go to church. They do the things. They say the words. They talk about engines or games or movies. It's great to talk about those things, but someone, a believer who never talks about Jesus Christ, it's called a benefit of the doubt believer. That's what I call it anyway. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't see anything. They haven't murdered anybody. They're not cheating on their taxes. They claim to be believers. They go to the church. So I go, okay, benefit of the doubt. I will, won't say you're not. But you have a confidence when you've seen the shared grace. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Paul had experienced the grace of God kind of in a crisis moment. Blinded him. Undid his world. Denied him the privilege of anything he thought was true being true. And those people he was punishing and killing were the people who were right. That's what's going to mess with him. So grace came to Paul strong. And as Paul dealt with that grace, the reason he was so involved in the Gentile mission is because the grace of God was poured out to these people, and he understood the grace. And so when he says that to the Philippians, he says, you guys had the grace. It is right for me to feel this. It's right for me to feel this. You're in my heart deeply. 
because we have shared that thing. And it's not just that you heard the testimony of so-and-so, but let me tell you, hearing the testimonies of other believers is a great thing. It primes the pump of you knowing you share the grace. It also lets you know sometimes people you were giving the benefit of the doubt to are tracking it all back to throwing a stick in the fire at camp and actualizing their potential, not really believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, not calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. They just walked the aisle and didn't believe. You find that out in the testimony. But you find out the great, neat believers when you hear a testimony. How did you come to know Lord Jesus Christ? Both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. No matter what, basically, no, this is a prison epistle, by the way. This is, he's brought, probably writing this from Rome, Rome in prison, like with Ephesians and Colossians. Verse 8, for God is my witness. Now, you know how they, you're not supposed to like Shakespeare because it's got too many cliches? Well, as you know, the joke in that is that he wrote them. They became cliches because he wrote them. For God is my witness. Have you ever heard that? Right? For God is, what's a person just about to do when they say that? Lie. It's the, it's the basic cover. I swear on a stack of Bibles, my mother's grave, and as God is my witness, I never did it, Your Honor. Yes, you did. Now, Paul is creating the cliche. But he didn't want it to be a cliche. He wants God to look down at this because this is the relationship that is between him and the Philippians that rests in their fellow salvation, their common salvation. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's basically saying, this is a fact. This is not what you say. If you're not covering up a lie, for God is my witness, that means you're saying, God's honest truth, I really want to be together with you guys. And that as we looked at this regarding our assembling and tempted to talk about disease, tempted to talk about overreach of governors, tempted to talk about various things, Romans 13, what about this, what about that? I hope it was coming home to you. I want to see these people. God is my witness that affection, that group of people that maybe are following you, they stay in touch with with Christmas cards, that you care really deeply about. I always say when people say, you have a best friend, I say, yeah, John Barry in Boone, North Carolina. I never see John. I see John once every five years. Talk occasionally, maybe twice a year on the phone. He's a close believer friend. I understand John. That's uh, Rachel's uncle. Verse 9, And it is my prayer 
This is why I'm, I thought as I got to this point in the passage, and this is just the first, that first paragraph that is that throwaway paragraph in most books. You know, he's like, oh, he's just going to, Gunn and I were talking about this last night about uh, entries into these letters and, and how it, all the God words are stacked up and it's kind of throwaway. You just forget everything in it. And as I was looking at the rest of the chapter and the, into the next chapter, I was going, how can I stop here? I better stop here because I want this to be the thing we think about. Our yearning for one another, that we feel it whether the state slapped a quarantine on us or distance did. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. He said, God's honest truth, I care for you. I would like you to learn to care more as well. Now, I want you to also say, this is not a tick off the box. Are these, are these people in my you know, theological camp category? Christians who believe the gospel. And I'm supposed to you know, smile and, and greet them. What's it called in the church, other churches? Uh, give the peace, is that what it's called? Pass the peace. Peace be to you and to you as well. Our love has been done. Not really. Paul wants their love to abound more and more because this kind of thing, the connection between Paul and the Philippians, is a dear thing. Again, I'm not saying you're going to have it for all the real believers. You're going to have it for certain of the believers, and it's a point of rejoicing and thanksgiving. It's a tightness. Christ had John, who he cared for the most out of his disciples. My prayer that your love may abound more and more, and this is not to be let off easily, with knowledge and all discernment. So that you don't think that not knowing what's going on, I was talking to, uh, who was it, Elena, she was sharing what she'd gone through going to a church in Boston. Occult. And then you begin to realize a few weeks in, man, that's weird. No, that's weird too. That's really weird. I got to get out of here. And they don't want you to get out of here. They want you to stay and never call your parents again. Because knowledge and discernment matter. You, you really want to link up with those who rejoice in their salvation like you rejoice in your salvation. That's what he had with the Philippians, which he might not have had with the Corinthians. So that you may approve what is excellent. Because that's the whole idea is this is rooted in the excellence of Jesus Christ, the excellence of your salvation. It's not you getting into... It's not you getting into excellent relationships. We're not trying to create great relationships for the believers. We're trying to create believers who care about excellence and that they rejoice to find others who care about excellence. And that excellence is in the gospel. That excellence is in the Christ. That you may approve what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that you would become excellent. We, we feature this, and I go back to my father's friends, been such a blessing to him 
for many decades. What is the, what is the great good there? This is something that grows, that is established on Christ. You have something, it's like marrying the right person, right? Marrying the right person. Yeah, I could literally, you know, marry any Christian woman, but I didn't. I married that Christian woman. And that is a point of rejoicing, that God gave you that relationship with that person. And the fellowships that you find for your capability to reach out to those who are approximately around you, or that you established something at one time that now are living on the other side of the country, you live in that with the rejoicing about what that is, where you thank God for what that is. You minister that relationship to yourself filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's not a, uh, something that you're expected to have for everyone, but you're supposed to rejoice in it with those you have it with. And look around you. All I'm encouraging you, I was thinking about this because of our inability to get together, look around you for those you have that kind of Christian life with. There'll be other Christians in your life that you're giving the benefit of the doubt to. There are other Christians' life you do not know well enough to know whether it's benefit of the doubt or whether it's, you know, a real enjoyment. But there are some that you do. There are some that you do. Let that register with you. Pray for one another. Always, in every prayer, with joy, be thankful for this. This is a good thing. And thank you for being here. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are very grateful for being here again. Watch over us, keep us healthy, get all the bugs worked out of our streaming facility and work out the gospel in our lives. In your son's name we pray, amen.